Welcome to our day three inbound 18 pop-up special. I'm joined by fellow Red Panda again, Tasha Del Bianco. Tasha, thanks for joining me. No problems, Moby. How are you? Yeah, good, good, good. We should start making this a regular occurrence. It's nice not to talk to yourself <laughs> to three walls. So that that's it's nice. Um, by the way, guys, everything. So every single day, um, we're obviously doing this podcast. We're doing um, on the spot kind of um, uh, pop-up uh, uh, video interviews as well. All of that you can get at redpandas.com.au forward slash inbound18. So we're updating that daily. So of course, um, today was um day three i guess and it was pretty much i guess uh, chocked of uh, breakout so i mean in terms of what you can do there is a very very comprehensive list of what breakout sessions you could attend right so obviously the ones that we're going to talk on today they were the ones we went to but god there's so many topics so our review is just that our review so the first session we went to was from my brother from another mother mr george b thomas um and tasha this was the first time you met george in person what did you think uh, I was definitely a little bit starstruck, of course, when you've been following someone online for a year or so, watching all of their videos and what have you, and you finally get to meet them in person. It may have been a couple of knees shaking, yeah? <laughs> <laughs> there you go. But honestly, like he's the most chill guy, the most down-to-earth guy. You know, he'd probably say to you, why you know what, what's wrong with you it's just it's just me george um but anyway sort of quick prelude um i mean the highlight for me yesterday yeah the breakout sessions were awesome but the highlight definitely was um we were super fortunate and grateful to do a collaboration i guess slash crossover episode with george beat and uh, remington big from impulse creative so we can't wait to bring that to you that was awesome and honestly um you know if there is a cool kids club at inbound these guys are definitely in it so thanks once again guys for giving us your time and letting us do that okay so of course the first breakout we went to was george's one on video marketing tactics um what were your thoughts on that what were some of your takeaways yeah look i really really enjoyed it i think apart from the fact that george is such a phenomenal speaker and he really from the minute you walk into the room he's got you engaged whether it be with music or he's talking or He's out and about walking around um, with the audience. What I really liked from his content was probably one of the points that he mentioned around evoking emotion with your content. So it's it happens to all of us. You know, we're watching an ad on TV or on YouTube or something, and you feel that um, you feel that warm fuzzy feeling, or you might start to well up. So he actually had um, a, an example there where it was like a, it was I think it was a card brand or something, but the ad itself. Um, just, I'm pretty sure there was a couple of tears in the room when, when this ad finished because of uh, how emotional it was. But, you know, with that said, you know, evoking emotion with your content doesn't always have to be warm and fuzzy and, you know, yeah, not everyone up in can do that. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So there was another example he gave, which, you know, I really appreciated because a lot of our clients would be like this. Is, um, you know, you can turn something. So the, the concept was to turn, uh, simplify the complex so, for example, uh, APIs, you know, um, unless you're a developer, you probably don't know too much about APIs or you have a, a really basic understanding. And this ad that he showed us, it was a bit of an explainer video, but it completely simplified what an API is and it turned into something that was really understandable. It actually humanized it a lot, which um, you wouldn't think you can humanize an API. Yeah. But this ad I mean, it didn't, successfully Well, it did, did dumb that. it down, but oh, it made definitely. it really easy to understand. Digestible. Yeah. yeah, definitely. But, uh, yeah, no, that's what I really liked about it. George B's um, session. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, so obviously he had all these tactics. You know, we'll just touch on some of the ones here. I think he had 10. 
Um, there was a URL. There is a way to get his his actual entire slide deck. George is very uh, generous with this sort of stuff. So I'll find out how to get that and we'll link that in the show notes, redpandas.com.au forward slash inbound 18. Uh, but anyway, a, a couple ones, right? Like some that sound obvious, but they can be so powerful. Like having your video in your signature, you know, like uh, a video that actually, um, and the way he did it, his actual one, you know, speaks about, look, I'm George, I'm an inbound evangelist. This is what that this means. Um, this is what you could expect, you know, from me in terms of a skill set. Um, and then like a quick touch on, you know, you know, I have X amount of kids. I like old cars. Um, and you know, he's a call to action essentially. You know, reply back to this email. So he had a really good template. You know, explain what you do. Again, you're humanizing yourself. Uh, give a quick. I mean, you don't have to give them your life story, but a, a bit of a personal touch, and then a call to action. You know, reply back to uh, this email. So I thought that was really awesome. Um, he had a couple others as well. So um, uh, Jackie from Impulse Creative, who works in their sales division. Um, uh, George showed an example of one-to-one video. So, you know, reaching out to uh, a prospect or someone who you've spoken to or someone who's requested a proposal and sending that one-to-one video. So you can use things like GoTo video, which is very popular, uh, and now HubSpot video. And the whole thing is trying to be happy, helpful human. That's a big thing with George. So I, I thought that was awesome. Um, homepage, so there's obvious homepage videos, but I, I, I think the point around that, what I really liked what he said, is your objective with that homepage video is to send them somewhere else. So I kind of see it like almost like a concierge desk, right? Or like, you know, a desk at inbound. Like you go up to that desk and, you know, they'll tell you where you should go based on what you're looking for. So it's kind of like that and preempting that, you know, obviously welcoming, welcoming, welcoming them to what you do um, and then, you know, sending them off to or giving them options to send them off to you know, go here for our product or service, here for our resources, here if you want to find out more about you know, what we do and how we do it. So that was really cool. Um, I'll rattle through some of these quite quickly. We had landing pages. So um, this is actually, I mean, this sort of, sort of might scare a lot of people because a lot of people have a lot of landing pages, but having a video for every single landing page. And for each of these things, he spoke about the strategy. So the strategy for a video on a landing page is you talk about the best benefits, you make it super, super simple, you simplify that entire, I guess, bit of prose on that. Um, again, like you say, Tasha, evoking emotion, you're building trust and then always ask, what's the ask? What's the call to action? Always do that. Uh, a couple of others using videos in your proposal, the, which I've heard this before and I've seen it done before, but I haven't really thought about the way how George has thought about how, why that's powerful. So he said, you know, how many times have you spoken to someone? And we see this all the time, right? How many times have you spoken to someone and you explain what you do and, you know, you've done a really good job and you know you have because they, they, you just know from there, you know, they're, they're able to explain it to you and, and you can read their body language or whatnot. But then if they were to then share that with their CEO, because yeah. you can't always get in front of the, the, the big decision maker or the guy or the gal with the check, they, they will struggle. And yeah. I've seen this many times, like with what we do, we, we, we make it super simple, but then again, we're asked to... And it's, it's, it's not a problem, but then we're asked to repeat ourselves again and again. Exactly. Yeah. The thing is with video, you can simplify your entire thing in that video. And what that person's going to do, everyone's always going to take the part of least resistance. Mm-hmm. They're just going to send that video to the CEO. Exactly. So I thought that was a, a really smart way of looking at it and building a user case on why you should be using videos in your actual proposals. Um, last one I'll touch on is meetings. So, I mean, uh, a lot of us have 
most of us, I'd say, have teleconferences. Uh, a lot of us will do video meetings. And he had an interesting one. So the way he looked at video, it wasn't just, oh, I'd use video for lead gen. It was like using video for, you know, your sales side, your marketing side, maybe your support side, using video for like even operational side, like meetings. And his whole thing was, he goes, I, I do hundreds of these, you know, a year or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And he goes, I know when people aren't paying attention. Mm-hmm. I've had people, um, I know when someone's reading the newspaper, I've had people eat their cereal. So the thing is, like with video, the informal cues, the intent, the, the increased attention you get to what you're saying, yeah. you can't kind of, you know, that's second to meeting in person. And the informal cues you get from people's body language, I think that was really powerful. So yes, any, any passing thoughts there, Tash, before we move on? Uh, other than being a really awesome speaker and a great vibe in that We get session. it, we get it. You're fangirling. <laughs> we get it. You're fangirling on George. Don't worry. I'll make sure he hears this. Yeah, cheers. <laughs> you already got your photo. Sorry, Taj. Yeah, you're saying. No, it was it was a really valuable session. And I think the minute the minute you walked in there, um, you knew you were going to get more than what you were expecting. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah very, well, very happy. Awesome stuff. Yeah, and we'll, again, we'll share what he shared in the show notes so you can get the slide deck yourself. And you can actually see all 10 of those tactics and the strategy for each of the tactic, right? That I think that's really key. Like for each of these tactics, what's the strategy? What's the template? What's the framework? Okay, awesome. So now we move on to the king of inbound himself, <laughs> the man, the myth, the pool guy, Marcus Sheridan. Um, look, honestly, I've, and, and look, you saw this, like I've, you know, met Marcus yeah, this is my third inbound now, so I've known him for a couple of years. Um, and, I, and I still freak out when I see this guy. I, I still, I don't know what it is. I, I fangirl when it yeah. comes to Mike Sheridan. He gave you, a, he gave, for our listeners, he gave Moby a bit of a, a, what is it, a wink in the audience? When he saw me, yeah, because it's the first time I saw him this inbound. And when he saw me, he, he smiled, gave me a wink, and that just made my day. That was that's that's the highlight of all of inbound <laughs> for me. Um, but anyway, awesome dude. And this guy's literally written the playbook on what i'd call modern inbound marketing you know the book they ask you answer like marcus he owns a couple of companies like if you were to spend time with this guy it would cost you a lot of money like you know consultation wise if you were to get a consult from him it would cost you a penny but that they ask you answer you can get that for like a bargain basement price it, in my opinion and this is not because i'm fangirling over marcus it is the most i guess practical and powerful marketing book um this side of you know the 21st century honestly and I, and I mean that it's a book i've gifted to a lot of people and i think you can really transform your business so um what he spoke about wasn't necessarily new like this is stuff marcus has espoused for a long time but i loved the reminder and the approach so at the core of everything he said everything and i love how he did this he set everything up with the idea that the trust is the building block of business and i've often said so marketing's job is to build trust and Marcus is, is saying that should be our moral compass. You know, like we need to own the trust component, not websites like review site, like, you know, Yelp or Google reviews or um, Yahoo reviews or whatever the hell people use these days and for your industry, we need to own that. And this will never, ever, ever change. So he spoke about the idea of like how you do that. You have to be pretty brutal and pretty brave at first. Like, so one example was, um, and we've had this ha- happen to us. One example, Marcus said, he obviously still owns a pool company, but he was very much in the company years ago, um, where they would say, look, you know, we really like you, Marcus, but 
uh, do you know anyone else? You know, we really like you. We, we really, um, you know, would love to work with you. But, you know, could you recommend anyone else in the area? Mm-hmm. And he goes, at first I thought, I don't like that question. Like that's, a, it's, it's, uh, and everyone would say in most cases, um, they'd say, oh, no, we're really special in what we do. Or mm-hmm. the one I've heard is, uh, yeah, look, I mean, you know, like they'll kind of give you very vague answers. But Marcus addressed that. So on his website, he, and this, this is probably still ranking on the Riverpool's website. It would be ranking. Actually, it is. He showed us. Yeah. Um, he spoke about the best, the five best pool companies in that particular area. And he's literally listed them. He's copied the stuff from their website. And do you think he listed his own pool company in that? I would have thought so, but no, he hasn't. Yeah, you would have thought maybe, okay, if you have five, maybe the fifth one. Mm. And he said, no, he goes, the moment you do that, you break all trust. Yeah, makes sense. And, you know, you could just feel people be like, oh, I don't know if I want to do that. Mm. But you've got to look at it this way. Like, they're going to find out anyway. Like, they, they're going to go to Google. And when you actually Google one of his competitors, the second <laughs> ranking that comes up for one of his competitors is Marx's website. Yeah. You know, like, it, they're... You can't be afraid of doing that because the whole point is building trust. And the moment you break that trust, then you're already two, three steps behind and you're like everyone else. Perhaps that is the only differentiator left these days. Um, what else did he talk about? So he mentioned there, there are definite patterns that equate to growth and success. A lot of these do derive from you know the big five and they ask you answer, answer methodology. Um, are you willing to talk about the negative? Again, this is going to create trust. Uh, one of his clients, Sheffield, Sheffield Metals, talks about, they have a video that he shared that talks about the seven cro- common problems of a metal roof. So you are addressing those, you're getting ahead before it comes a concern. You're owning that, you know. So once people can put that aside, you're owning that. If they're looking for a metal roof, what are they going to move to? Like, I don't know, a timber roof, some other type of roof. Mm-hmm. Like there's issues there as well, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? You're owning it and then you're bringing them into your ecosystem. Once you have that trust, you can do a lot there. Um, share your not so secret sauce. Share with that of your that your competitors are not. So, ninety nine percent of the time, their secret sauce is no secret at all. Mm-mm. You know, and everyone knows what everyone's competitors are doing. Like, if you were to ask, you know, oh, do you know what your competitor a competitor? Oh, this is a different point. But for example, do you know what they're charging? Um, you know, most people say, yeah, I have a, I have an idea. So they have an idea when it comes to you as well. Like there is very there is very few things that are secret these days. So giving visibility into your process and what you do is going to be very, very refreshing. Um, A couple of others, embrace our review obsessed society. I touched on this a little bit before, but owning, you know, like um, that review, that consideration phase when people are actually looking for a product or service. And it it might kind of sound odd to people if you've never heard this before, if you've never heard Marcus's stuff, or you've never heard us talk about it on the podcast, is you can review your own stuff. That's not a problem. You can review your own products and services. You can review, uh, hey, I mean, not you, maybe you can review your competitor stuff, right? But um, you can review things that maybe are complementary to what you sell. So, for example, I'm looking at you know our, our podcasting mic here. Um, sure, maybe we don't review, maybe we're not gutsy enough to review other podcasting mics, but maybe you know the cables that attach to um, the the machine or adapters that mm. attach to the iPhone that we don't do. It's still in the same area. It's something that our persona still associates yeah. with in our field. That was awesome. Um, personalization. So this was a common thread with George. You know, using personalized video is much more powerful than anything else you can do. I'm not going to harp on that too much. And focus on money. Right. Um, this is one that he 
will probably speak to death about every single year because people still don't get it. I've definitely found that with our, our clients where um, some of them will, will sort of say, guys, you know, price is the number one factor that people want to know when they go to your website. Mm-hmm. You need to at least address it. You, no one's saying, look, hey, if you can give away your pricing online, great. But even if you do put your pricing online, um, and, and you know, Marcus didn't have too much time to go into this, but if you're going to put your pricing online, I mean, don't just put your pricing online. Like in the absence of value, people will always compare you on price. Mm-hmm. So talk about what that includes. Talk about your features, your benefits, and and then you can talk about how you're different and, and you augment that price to mean something more than it is. It's the value side of things. Um, but, you know, Marcus talks about this. If you're not going to talk about price, just at least address price. Yeah. Just say, you know, like one of those things is people say, oh, it depends. Well, talk about those depend factors. What does it, yeah. you know, what maybe give them a range, right? So I think that's really, really powerful. Uh, a lot of people still won't get it. Um, mind you, we don't have it on our website. <laughs> if we're being like completely vulnerable and being honest, hands up, like, we don't have it on our website. But that is something that we need to get around to. It's not because we're being scared, but it's just figuring out how we do it. And I think for us, being an agency, we probably will go with ballpark pricing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, our rates go from X to Y, and that would include A, B, C, D, E, F, G, and this yeah. is what you could expect from us. And this is how many times you will meet from us. And this is the reporting that you'll get for us from us. Is it that different from everyone else, if I'm being completely honest? Um, probably not. Like, there is that emotional side that says, yeah, well, of course, like, you know, we're the best and we, we work harder than everyone else. But really, if you had to break it down into components, probably not, you know, but doing that, I think, would separate us. Um, okay. I think that's all. Uh, his show notes as well. I will share in, sorry, his, his slides as well. He, you can SMS a number if you have a US number, and I think there's a link as well. So we'll share that in the show notes. Any passing thoughts on Marcus Sheridan, um, Tasha, Del Bianco? Again, Marcus is a phenomenal speaker as well. Made everyone feel engaged the whole time. I think at one point I was like, does he ever, does he ever drop that energy level? He, he did it. That energy level was a 10 from the minute we walked in to the minute we walked out. So I was really impressed with that. Um, and one like a highlight that I would take away from it was the, um, just the drilling of the trust and solving that problem for the customer or the consumer. So Solving that, I love it. Yeah. Exactly. Whatever that problem is, whatever that question is that they have, answer it. You know, people want uh, answers to their questions and they want them quickly. So um, optimised content um, that they can trust you with. The Honestly, the thing about Marcus, maybe, you know, in terms of his strategy and what he espouses, maybe my favourite thing about what he does is it's so freaking simple. Mm. It is so simple. It's so like, you know, he talks about the big five. They talk about price, talk about verses, talk about reviews, talk about the best of something, talk about problems. It's so freaking simple, but it's great because people don't do it. And it's great for us as an agency because we can help people with that. But it's great for, you know, like brands because your competitors aren't addressing these things. Mm -hmm. They're just not, you know what I mean? So it's, it's, honestly, it's kind of, mind-boggling you know that's why i love it it's simple it's easy to understand it's not api seo uh, a b c d e f g da, da, da. Yeah, yeah. it's a really simple strategy that you can use and that, that he's used to save his business and turn into uh, I, I think one of the biggest pool manufacturers in america um okay awesome so finally this was a session i went to um uh that you didn't touch her but you did meet her michaela alexis mm-hmm. um who her whole thing is she lost her job 
Uh, this was, you know, I don't know, four or five years ago, maybe a couple years ago, not sure now. She lost her job. Um, then she built her LinkedIn following from zero to over 110,000 followers. Yeah, wow. Her content has been seen by millions of people around the world. She's been featured featured on CNBC, and she's invited everybody to speak now. So she helps people build personal brands on LinkedIn. She helps, uh, she consults on the same subject matter, and she helps people with influencer marketing strategies. But LinkedIn really is her main game. So, um, what did, I mean, you obviously had a chance to meet her. We yeah. obviously did an a interview with her, which we'll share in a second. But what were your thoughts, Tasha? Look, from, from meeting her after her session, um, she just seems like a, you know, a really down-to-earth, nice person. But also what I really, really liked about it is that she had a, like maybe a group of 10 or so people waiting around her after her session. And, yeah, we all waited patiently, but she was so nice and just pleasant to uh to wait around for everyone and she spent time with every single one of those people whatever they wanted they wanted a, a picture or a podcast an interview um she she did it with a smile on her face no questions asked so she had plenty of time for everyone and it was really it was nicely received she finished i think at 145 i'm trying to figure this out i think by the time we had a chance to speak to her uh it was maybe 230 yeah you know what I mean? So that's the thing too. Like, guys, there's something in this. Like, you know, all these all these influencers, all these successful people, they are very humble people. They're very nice. They appreciate people. They don't think they're better than anyone else. Um, you know what I mean? Like, I think there's something in that. There's a common thread about these people. So, yeah, uh, I, I don't know. But, but yeah, you're right. So she was she was awesome. She was an inspiration. Um, her inter- We did a, a bunch yesterday. Hers, honestly, was my favorite. And that's why we're going to feature that in today's uh by daily recap so we'll kick it to the interview i had with her i'm not going to touch on the stuff that i asked her about because i'll just double up but what i do want to talk about is um because i don't think we talk about this in the interview is she talked about talks about algorithm and frequency on linkedin so she said like when she first started on linkedin she would post uh every tuesday and wednesday or something like that um, but then she actually ramped it up and she didn't notice it. I've thought about this too. I've thought about, okay, if I start ramping up articles and posts and whatever on LinkedIn, is that going to like, you know, peeve people off? Because what I have noticed, I, and this is the problem, when someone will post something on LinkedIn and it's been a while and it's content that we've created, they will get a big jump. Because like, oh, I haven't seen you around. Oh, good on you. Like, you know, here's a like or a comment. Maybe I haven't even watched your stuff. Mm. But here's a like or comment because, you know, it's been a while since we've seen you or whatever. And then it kind of drops off. So that's, that's, it's misleading, you know, like it's misleading that initial spike that people sometimes get when they post something. Um, she said she didn't notice a decline at all. So she posts very, very frequently. I love, like a lot of her answers, she tried not to give best practice sort of, oh, you must do video or you must post seven mm-hmm. times a week. She really got to people think about, look, what's your objective? What is it that you're trying to do? But don't be afraid of frequent, frequency. If you're going to po- post multiple times, three or four times a week, do not be afraid of that. That's not going to ruin your engagement. Mm-hmm. Um, she also said what she likes to actually post, uh, you know, there's she likes to post when people are engaged, but also when people, when other people aren't posting. So she likes posting on uh, at midday, um, just after lunch, um, in the afternoon when, when people are in scroll mode and their brains are kind of, you know, dying out. That's when she likes to do it. But she also likes doing it when people aren't posting. She said doing it on 5 p.m. on a Friday or Sunday. Mm-hmm. There's a lot less she has to sort of compete with. So she likes doing that as well. So it's a good strategy there. Um, in terms of the, you know, the content mix, sure, video is great. But what her point was, break it up. You know, do text, 
do photos, do video. She said, and I quote, I don't think there's one format that works. And it also depends on what you're trying to do. Like if your thing is, you know, you're, I don't know, say you work in construction and, and I've actually seen this. This is a real example, actually. You, you work in construction and you dig, uh, I'm sure there's a technical term. It's not a hole in the ground, but you dig these big shoring or whatever. What, what is it called? Shoring? Oh, not sure. Okay. Anyway, a big hole in the ground and you put pipes and stuff, right? So, you know, this particular uh, person I'm talking about, he would, he would regularly post these job sites and will add commentary. That's his thing. If he was now to do... Actually, I think video would work really quite well. But if it was just to do text or just to do video and he moves away from what, what people know him from, his um, reach and engagement probably will suffer. So it also depends on mm. what you're trying to do. But that's all. I'll leave it at that. Um, we ask a whole bunch of questions, including something around a tickle trunk. And that is not BDSM. It's nothing kinky like that. Um, honestly, it was not not because it's funny, but my favorite part of what she talks about. So let's hear about the tickle trunk and a little bit more from Michaela Alexis. Hi, I'm here with Michaela Alexis, and this is our what third, fourth inbound pop-up episode. Um, Michaela, she's gone from someone who was unemployed to having over 110,000 followers, reaching millions of people. Um, so, Michaela, thanks for your time. Thank you so much for having me. It was fun. So um, I want you to bear with me because I'm going to sound like a creep. You spoke about the tickle trunk. This is not something I'm talking about. Um, what is a tickle trunk? And I feel really creepy saying this. What's in your tickle trunk? <laughs> yeah, the tickle trunk is one of those things that I didn't even realize it was a Canadian thing until I started talking to American audiences. And I always got this look of, did she just say that? Um, it is not as creepy as it sounds. So in Canada, we have uh, Mr. Dress Up. He's like a kid's character oh, okay. um, TV show. And he has this chest that's full of all sorts of fun props called his tickle truck. And now, like, that, I th it's, like, one of those things that, like, you know, when you're little, it doesn't yeah, seem creepy. But now right. that I speak about it, the more I speak about it, the creepier it gets. You can get arrested in Australia. For, for sure. Yeah, yeah, talking anyway. about someone, someone's yeah. tickle trunk. But I think that everybody should have a box of props. I think that everybody should have things that define who you are, that mm. people can associate with you and your personality. So, for me, I have the coffee mug, and I have my photobombing dogs, and I have a marble background, and all of these things are just ways for people to associate my content with who I am and my personality. I love that, because I never thought about that, like, from a point of differentiation, yeah. and I love how when you speak about what you speak about, we're not talking about Instagram video here or YouTube. We're talking about on LinkedIn. So I love that. Um, the second question was around, I didn't quite get this, so maybe you can help me out. You spoke about um, covering everything with strawberry jam. So what do you mean by that? <laughs> and yeah, yeah. So I think that so many of us have these important messages that people need to hear. But unfortunately, you can't just talk at somebody, right? You can't just go up to somebody and say, this is what you need to hear. So you have to deliver it in a way that makes sense for the person. So... Covering your content in strawberry jelly, for me, when I was younger, I wouldn't take pills. So my mom would take the pill and she would put it in a spoonful of jelly and then she would spoon feed it to me. And I think of my content in the same way. So your, your message is that pill. And what can you wrap that pill with to make it more digestible for your audience? So I'm constantly adding ancient storytelling techniques, things like humor and relatability and surprise and outrage and all these elements that just make that content more easy to deliver for that person more impactful right so would edutainment be an example of that like yeah, yeah that's using humor to get across something that could actually be a very serious topic yeah okay awesome uh, so second last question and I'm sure you get asked to audit people's profiles all the time 
What's one or two of the biggest mistakes you see when you do audit a profile? Um, the settings are a big one. That's a very unknown. Right. The settings, a lot of people will have their profile optimized, but their settings are set so that only their connections can see mm. their profile photo, their background photo, certain elements of their profile, which isn't a great way to network, right? If we're looking at LinkedIn as like the world's largest networking event that's open 24 seven, mm. well, you probably don't want to show up with like a bag over your face when you go to a networking mm. event, right? And the same thing is true for your LinkedIn profile. So a lot of people don't even realize that their settings are not set up so that they can be openly communicating with people. So I'd say that was the biggest thing. And from a content point of view, yeah. is it like people are really starchy or that? What do you what do you find? Um, when it comes to content on their profile or content in general? Yeah, like posting stuff out and trying to get stuff out there. I think it's all about people are just trying to impress other people, and it's kind of like when you go into a job interview, you're trying to say the right things. And you don't have to worry about saying the right things. You need to say the heartfelt things. And once you can change that and just focus on connecting with people as humans rather than just pitching them, then it makes all the difference in the world. I love that. You said it in the presentation as well. Connecting, not impressing. Yeah. 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 Final question. Um, I know you know people always ask for silver bullets or magic pills. Yeah. and. I know it's different for different people, but what are you finding that's working right now with the algorithm in terms of content posting on LinkedIn? Well, I think one thing to completely avoid the algorithm completely is spend more time in your inbox. You know, so many times we're like talking about how can I get more followers, but you have this amazing inbox full of connections that you already have with people, and most people are not nurturing those relationships. So there's one new feature that I really enjoy. It's a voice memo uh, feature on your in your inbox, so you can send voice memos. And it's gotten a lot of flack from articles that I read because nobody likes voicemails anymore. But it's a really great way to add a personal touch and also get back to people more frequently than you would with texting. So that's one of those features that I'm really enjoying. And it, it seems like it makes a really big difference when I reach out to somebody and leave them a nice little love note rather than just sending them a text message. It's personal. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, thank you so much, Michaela. Hope you have a great inbound and thanks for doing everything thanks. that you're doing. Awesome. Awesome. Thanks for listening to Inbound Buzz. Learn anything? Return the favor by spreading the word. Want to make your mark in digital? Need help with your digital strategy, inbound, and marketing automation efforts? Then visit redpandas.com.au and be sure to tune in next time for another Inbound Buzz hit.